Hello, and welcome to the Girl I Slept in My Makeup podcast by three sisters who live in three different cities, are at three different life stages, and have three different perspectives. They are excited to learn and grow alongside of you. This is a space full of love and acceptance, no judgment, because let's face it, we all sleep in our makeup. Please welcome Lauren, Megan, and Kristen. We're excited to announce that our very own podcasting platform, Zencaster, has become a new sponsor to the show. Check out the podcast discount link in our show notes and stay tuned for why we love using Zen for the podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to another week. We are excited to introduce to you Jessie Fearon. She is the author of Getting Good With Money. She is a certified financial coach and mom that leads the way for overwhelmed readers struggling to get a handle on their finances and lays out the doable steps her family underwent to pay off all their debts, even their mortgage, and pursue their dreams all on a $47,000 a year salary, y'all. It's amazing. So so I'm not going to waste any time. We're just going to get right to it and have her lay out all the steps. I'm excited for y'all to get to know her. I hope you enjoy. Hey, sisters. Hey. Hey. <laughs> welcome we're, to another we're week. Gi- we're giggly today. Yeah, welcome to another oh, yeah. week. We're giggly because before we pressed record, we were introducing ourselves to our guest today, Jesse, and Kristen said, and I'm Lauren. <laughs> so we thought it was so funny. She was looking at me through FaceTime. Yeah. I know. I guess we need to just start every episode giggling. Hopefully it's uh, contagious. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, anyways, yeah. sorry to keep you waiting, everybody. We have an amazing guest. She's a financial coach and personal finance expert, Jesse Fearon. Well, welcome, Jesse. Thanks for doing this with us. Well, hi. Thank you, ladies, for having me. Yay. Yeah. Well, we'd love to just kind of get to know you a little bit more. Um, I know you just had a launch of a book in January, Getting Good with Money. Um, But just tell us about you. Give us a little background where you're from and kind of how you got to where you are today. Sure. Yeah. So uh, born and raised in the great state of Georgia. Um, And so my husband, Pat, and I, we back in 2013, we had this kind of a breaking point moment for us when we realized that we didn't have any money. We were broke. (laughs) And um, so I started 2012 pregnant and ended it pregnant. It was a surprise. It's baby number two. We weren't oh quite uh, planning to to have another one that quick. But, um, you know, so we started 2013 knowing that we were going to end up having two little ones in diapers. And then, of course, there's going to be formula and there's going to be all these things. And we realized that we didn't have enough money. And so from there, my husband and I made this crazy decision that we were going to, you know, cut up the credit cards. We're going to pay off the credit cards, try to make as much wiggle room in our budget as possible so we could still afford for me to stay home with our soon to be two children because before we had had children, I was the breadwinner, but we had made the decision that we wanted me to stay home with our kids. And that was really important to us. And we wanted to to keep that. We didn't want me to have to go back into the corporate world and then have over half my paycheck go into daycare costs. And of course, this was back in 2013 and daycare costs have only gone up since then. Yeah. Um, and so after that breaking moment, we just got really crazy with it. And we hustled and we paid off our credit cards right before our second child was born. And um, and we thought that was going to be good enough. We thought, okay, we got rid of the credit cards. It's great. It's fine. So all we had left was my car loan and my student loans. 
But then, of course, once that newborn zombie stage kind of wore off a little bit, we started (laughs) feeling that pinch again. We started feeling like, oh, my gosh, there's not enough money anymore. Um, Because, of course, you know, each baby comes with their own set of expenses, um, their own sort of, you know, if there's health issues or anything like that. And um, we had some of that with our, our middle child. And so our budget was once again getting eaten up and we realized that we needed to make more room. And so we got even crazier with it. And we got rid of my really fancy car and bought a uh, very well-loved purple Sequoia (laughs) that's now 21 years old and I still drive it with rust spots on it. Um, (laughs) And we, and we made this crazy thing to um, this crazy deal to pay off my student loans because in 2015, we ended up having our third child and um, we managed to pay off my student loans right before she was born. But we did this all in a $47,000 a year salary living in Metro Atlanta. And, um, yeah, we actually became 100% debt-free back in 2019 when we paid off our house. And it's been such an incredible blessing, us being debt-free. You know, we tell our kids all the time, like, they get to enjoy a lifestyle that other parents who make the same salary as my husband wouldn't be able to afford simply because of the fact that we are debt-free and that we have that freedom to use that money that my husband goes and works so hard for every single day in a way that benefits our family. Okay, so awesome. that's amazing. Way to go first of all. Yeah. <laughs> but lots of questions. Yeah, lots of <laughs> questions. So obviously that took some major discipline and commitment. And so kind of let's go back to step one when you guys were first focused on paying off the first things, not your house, but kind of walk us through and what type of sacrifices and did you use a budget for format that you're willing to share? Like give a start giving us all the things. Well, absolutely. So the budget format that we ended up using um, is is very simple because again, we didn't have like we had no money. We were broke. In fact, the my debit card and one of the credit cards had gotten declined at the grocery store earlier that day. So we really truly had no money. And um, so the budget that we used, I call it the quick start budget. But you just start with the money that you do have sitting in your checking account, and then you just pull up your calendar and you look. Okay, how many days is it between now and my next payday? What bills are due between? now and then? What um, expenses do I have coming up? Do I need to go to the grocery store? Am I getting my hair done? Do my kids have sport fees, dues, or, or whatever? What is coming up between now and next payday that has to come out of this amount sitting in my checking account? And from there, you can start to make some educated decisions. You can start you know, plugging and playing and realizing, oh, I don't have enough money to get my hair done this week, so I need to reschedule that. And it keeps you from kind of faltering too much because now you're putting yourself in the driver's seat slowly but surely. And then once you've calculated all that in, when you get paid again, you just add that number back in and you start the process all over again. And that's that's how we started with budgeting and how we both got on the same page with it. Because before this whole thing happened, I don't mm-hmm. think my husband and I had any fruitful conversations around money. We argued yeah. about it a lot, but we didn't have any actual real meaningful conversations that produced any good fruit from it. Right. So, Which I think is so this- common. Absolutely. Yeah. And just by doing this very simple method, because, you know, my husband, I'm I'm an accountant by trade, believe it or not. And of course, I went broke. <laughs> um, but, you know, so for me, I wanted to have a big elaborate spreadsheet. Like that was like my thing. But my husband's like, whoa, whoa, hold on. <laughs> no, like, let's not go that route because it was too much for him. He didn't want any of yeah. that. He didn't want all to lose himself in the nuance of those details. And so by keeping it simple, it brought us both into the mix and we were both able to easily manage it and make educated decisions from there. Um, because, mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. you know, how we got started was just really, truly ransacking our house, finding anything and everything that we could sell. Um, my husband picked up some side jobs. I picked up um, a side hustle. I started um, – not far from my home is a little townhome community. And there's a lot of single people and a lot of elderly people that lived that live in that little townhome community and they needed somebody to walk their dogs. And so mm. I started walking dogs and picking up dog poop. <laughs> it nice. wasn't a whole bunch of money, but it was just a little bit additional money that we were able to just keep chipping away, you know, at first at the credit cards and then eventually being able to save for the car and then being able to pay off my student loans. Um, and it just sort of snowballs from there. Yeah. So on a $47,000 salary, if you don't mind sharing in those beginning days, how much were you guys putting back each month to put towards the debt? At first, it was very little. It was right at about $50 a month um, consistently. It was about all that we could really afford because my husband was a road warrior for work, but they didn't pay his fuel. So mm. we were having to pay for his fuel out of pocket, which was a big expense to us. So we had to come up with like creative ways of being able to kind of mitigate that cost. Um, mm-hmm. I did a whole bunch of online surveys. Um, those used to be really popular a long time ago. But, you know, and even just um, I think, oh, goodness, it's, it's not Fetch that came out early. It was Ibotta. Ibotta came out. And so I started using that. Um, Rakuten, any of these cashback sites so I could um, earn cash back on any purchases that we did have to make like diapers and wipes and formula and mm-hmm. just started taking all that little bit of extra and just kept on plugging it away towards our debt because my husband's income was truly being eaten up by the debt payments and just by the lifestyle that we had at the time because we did um, have almost you know one and a half kids that were coming into play. And, um, and so from there, we had to make those kind of hard decisions. And I think that's actually really encouraging because I think that sometimes it's easy for us to think like, uh, what, I mean, what's $50 a month going to actually do? You know what I mean? But I think hearing your story, that's really encouraging because it's like, actually, (laughs) it can do, it can be everything. It just, if you're willing to take and make that commitment and stick to it, right? Absolutely. And, you know, and that's what it takes. You know, like execution trumps knowledge every single day of the week. You know, you can sit here and make out this big elaborate plan, but if you do nothing with it, then it's not going to help you. And if you sit around waiting until you have, you know, $500 to do something with it, well, you've missed out on a great opportunity. And chances are you're probably not going to ever do anything once you have that $500. It'll just somehow slip through your fingers. But if you Mm -hmm. start with even just $5, if all you have extra this week is $5 from your paycheck and you need to, you know, put it towards whatever your current goals are, whether it's paying off debt or saving money or saving for retirement or maybe saving for a vacation or whatever it is. If you just start putting that little bit of money away towards your future self, like that habit will compound on itself and you will start actually being able to make those even larger and larger and larger money moves in the future. So what you you mentioned a couple of sites, because I know like credit cards, they have benefits where you get cash back, money back, you know, like for instance, we have a Southwest card where it pays for most of our flights, but it sounds like you didn't use that for that. You use some sites. Is that what I Yes. Yes. Um, So yeah, we completely caught up our credit cards um, and closed them because they were just, they weren't good for us. We were, the temptation to overspend was too high for us. We had not, uh, we had not learned how to rein in our spending and rein in our and just to control ourselves. We had not learned how to do that yet. And so credit cards for us were a little bit dangerous. But, you know, we still needed to have sort of that benefit of earning something back to sort of um, offset the cost of the the fuel for my husband. Like I said, he was a road warrior at the time and, of course, groceries. And so one of those things 
platforms that I use cashback sites. Um, it used to be called Ebates. It's called Rakuten now, um, R-A-K-U-T-E-N.com. You can um, earn all sorts of cashback from your online purchases, um, You know, whether it's Amazon or what I used to do is um, if I was you know, having to go like shopping at Walmart, I would just buy whatever I needed that wasn't groceries because at the time Walmart didn't have grocery pickup, but now they do. So you can actually earn on your groceries as well. But I would buy whatever I needed, have it waiting for me in the back of the store, do my grocery shopping, and then grab what I needed in the back. And I would have earned cash back on at least half of my purchases. Wow. So that's a great alternative to – because my husband and I use the benefits of the credit cards, like saving and getting the cash back and stuff. So that's a really cool alternative. I've never heard of that. That is cool. I just downloaded it. And the other one that you mentioned, I bought a – it's funny, I actually just went into my apps and I had that downloaded. I actually just had learned of that in the past year. And I'm gonna have to look further into it because to be completely honest, I ended up deleting it when I was cleaning up my apps because I just never took the time to really understand what it did. But how do you spell that one? It's, it's I-B-O-T-T-A. Um yeah. And I will be honest, Ibotta is not my favorite one anymore. Fetch, um, like Fetch, playing Fetch with a dog, um, has been my favorite because you can earn, like you earn points instead of cash back, but you can earn those points to get gift cards like Target gift cards, Starbucks gift cards, Amazon gift cards. Um, so that can, it can you know, sort of help offset any spending that you need to do. Um, but I like Fetch a little bit more because you can scan in all of your receipts. Um, with Ibotta, you only get like rebate offers on certain products. And um, and so yeah. sometimes that can be kind of hard because then you've got to go and find those products and like actually then have to scan it and get the cash back. So it's, it's a little bit more cumbersome in my opinion than using Fetch. Okay. So listeners, write that down. Fetch and then Rakuten. Is that right? Yes. Rakuten. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a mouthful. I know. <laughs> yes. That's so good well, to that's know. that's so cool. Yeah. Because I feel like I've gotten advertised too for Rakuten and some other like coupon kind of sites where you can get money back for shopping. And I, I guess I had never had anybody recommend it. So I thought it was like a scam. So I'm like <laughs> glad to know it's not a scam. <laughs> yeah, I can I can promise you it's not a scan. I've been using it for years. Um, I actually just looked a couple of weeks ago that um over the span that I've been using it because I started using it back in 2013. So in this time span, what nine years now, um, I've earned just over three thousand dollars cash back from just yeah. from online purchases that I had to make anyways, whether it was for you know Christmas stuff or you know whatever I needed to buy. Yeah, wow. got that's it. cool. So cool. That's I do cool. have a question when it comes to you know, paying off your house because I hear so many mixed reviews about that. (laughs) Um, you know, saying like, okay, well, interest rates are so extremely low, especially in this last year. I mean, they've gone up a little bit now, but why not leverage that, you know, money to put into purchasing maybe like an income producing property or to leverage that money to, you know, put it towards something to bring you even more towards your retirement or whatever. Um, What made y'all decide? I'm just curious what your thoughts are around that. Well, and you can definitely do that. And there are people that are super successful at that. Um, Unfortunately, a lot of people want to jump into like the real estate, like they want to jump into being like landlords and then they do it, but then they don't do it with a plan. And then they end up, um, they end up kind of sinking themselves further and further because now they're throwing money back into a house that they thought was going to be profitable. But for us, the reason that we decided to do it was because um, one, our home was a foreclosure when we bought it. And 
as I said, my husband, his salary has not changed very much since that $47,000 a year. He makes it right at about $52,000 a year now. And so for us, we realized that if we paid off our mortgage, we'd have even more money to save for retirement because that was an area that we were deeply struggling with because my husband is self-employed, so there's no 401k option. Um, but in order to contribute to a Roth, we needed to have additional money so we could max out um, a Roth for him and a Roth for me. And so in order to do that, we decided to pay off the mortgage because our mortgage was a very low balance at that time. Now, someone listening to this who has you know, a $450,000 mortgage, um, that may not be the <laughs> the right avenue for you to, to, to go down right now because you have other um, priorities in your budget right now than trying to pay off your house. It might not be realistic for you, but for us, it was definitely something that was realistic. Um, and it is realistic for um, for some folks, for folks who've had their home, you know, for 10 plus years and, you know, they're in a position to be able to pay it off to free up their mortgage payment. Um, but you know, for us, that's how we decided to do it because we didn't have a lot of extra disposable income. So even if we had wanted to buy a rental property, say, we wouldn't have had enough money set to be able to set aside to be able to build up over time to be able to do that and be able to save to retirement. So we wouldn't have been able to do both. Got it. So what you're saving in your mortgage, you're fully putting towards retirement. Absolutely. And the additional that comes from that, because it actually equals out to almost more than what we would be able to max out our Roth IRAs. Um, we are the other part of that we are putting towards our other goals, which has been to buy land, but you know, everything has gone up in price. So we're yes. <laughs> we keep searching for the land. Hopefully the unicorn shows up soon. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. Well, so that brings me to my next question, because I'm also self-employed. What made y'all decide uh Roth over a SEP or IRA? I'm just curious. Um, I, I, so I, for me, it's the tax benefits. That's, okay. uh, you know, because whatever you – so right now you're paying the tax on your Roth. So when you are in retirement years, you don't have to pay income taxes on that money. So you can live off that money tax-free. Yeah. And that's why for me, I wanted the Roth versus other accounts only because of the fact that I would rather pay taxes now versus later when it's probably, you know, probably taxes are probably going to go up because they historically do anyways. Um, and so for me, I'd rather pay taxes now than when I'm in my retirement years, hopefully sitting on a beach enjoying mm -hmm. life. <laughs> yeah. Hey, for those don't, that don't know, can y'all share what a SEP is, Kristen or Jesse? The difference, so I have a SEP IRA account, and the reason I have it is because there's, with Roth, or, and correct me if I'm wrong, Jesse, I'm not a CPA, by the way, every, just full <laughs> disclosure, um, but the biggest difference is, you know, you, there's a, a limit that you can put towards your Roth per year, um, and with the SEP, there's really there's a lot higher limit. So I can put up to 25% of my income, I think is what it is, towards my SEP, where with the Roth, I forget the max. It's 6,000. It's 6,000 6, per account. So um, so like me and my husband both can put 6,000 into our account, so 12,000 for the total household. But yes, it is capped at 6,000. Right. So That's I can put – and that sets off so that – and anything I put towards my SEP IRA, they, it's a write-off. So I save a ton on taxes per year because that 
is straight taken off the top of my yes. income per year. So th that's the two reasons I decided to go with the SEP. So I was just curious why yeah. they decided to go with the Roth. Well, and oh, cool. you know, for us, us being, um, again, my husband only makes right at $52,000 a year. And so right. for us, we don't have to necessarily try to lower our tax burden in this season of life as much as if my husband was, say, making $250,000 a year, we would definitely have much more of a need to try to lower our, um, our tax burden for this season of life. Um, you know, so for us, going with the Roth sort of made sense because we, again, like I said, I'd rather pay taxes now than pay it when I'm retired. Yeah. We're taking a quick break and we'll be right back. If you know us, you know that quality means something to us and Zencaster provides crystal clear sound and gorgeous HD video. Not to mention it's easy to use even for our guests that aren't that tech savvy. And let's be honest, we're really not that tech savvy either. Well, I will say Megan is. Megan is really good at figuring stuff out. But prior to this podcast and us starting, none of us had any experience in podcasting. We're kind of a testament to that you can do this on your own. If we can do it, you can do it. <laughs> There's nothing to download. You just click on the link and we start recording. We've even had guests on our show who are very experienced podcasters, and they were super impressed with Zencaster and even asked, who do y'all use for your platform? Because this is awesome. So I think that speaks for itself. Zencaster is all about making your podcasting experience easy. You don't have to leave your browser to get the episode done. So that has just been, it's honestly been such an awesome experience for us. A lot of people, both guests and listeners and non-guests, they have asked us, how do you girls do that since you all three live in different cities? And our response is Zencaster, <laughs> for real. That's how we get it done. So you don't have to be in the same place. All three of us are in different locations. And then our guest is always in a different location as well. So that's how easy it is. And we want you to have the same easy experience as we do for all of our podcasting and content needs. If you go to zen.ai backslash girl, I slept in my makeup zero and enter promo code girl, I slept in my makeup zero, you will get 30% off your first three months. That is zen dot AI backslash girl, I slept in my makeup zero. It's time to go share your story. Go start a podcast. How do you approach, Jesse, the, just the idea and budget allowance for like giving or tithing or whatever, you know, whatever bucket that is for people? I know just personally in my younger years, whenever money felt tight and it felt like paycheck to paycheck, it's like <laughs> my heart and my actions didn't align because I felt like I didn't have enough or I wasn't making enough, I should say, like I wasn't making the effort to have enough um, discipline in order to do that. But have you picked up any tools along the way that you can share with us on that? Absolutely. First is that there are other ways of being able to give that aren't um, financial. Um, you know, well, I'm going to use the current uh, Ukrainian and, and uh, Russian conflict that's happening right now. One of the ways that is a completely free way that if anybody who actually you know wants to help but doesn't have the money to do so is that you know here at least in the United States one of the greatest assets that an American citizen has is our voice. We get to contact our representatives whether we voted for them or not. They're there to represent us and we can contact them and um, express our concerns and, and say what we hope to see the outcome to be. And that's true in so many other situations that there are other ways of giving that um, don't involve money. So if you are um, 
strapped for cash. You don't have to necessarily rely on monetary means. You can rely on your talents um, that you have instead of just only relying on your treasure. And you can rely on your time. You can give of your time. You can volunteer, um, Mm -hmm. you know, just volunteer to clean up your elderly neighbor's yard instead of maybe paying somebody to do it for you. That's one of the ways that you can give. But, you know, of course, one of the great advantages of, you know, getting good with money is that you free up your resources, free up your, your money in order to be able to give more. And that is something that has been really amazing for me and my husband, mostly because my husband grew up in that sort of um, that weird spot where he his family is either right below the poverty line or just like right above it. Um, mm-hmm. They kind of just teetered that poverty line his whole entire childhood. And so for him, it's always been really – it's been a big deal to him to give back. And mm-hmm. um, so it's just been so amazing to be able to watch him that when he f- finds somebody who's in need, like he doesn't have to stress about it. He can call me and say, I need you to move XYZ amount of money. I've you know It needs to go to so-and-so. And that's just been such a blessing to our family. Um, into our communities. And so, you know, I will say that if you are in a tight position where you feel like you can't give money, hold on to that a little bit. Hold on to that feeling a little bit so you can remind yourself that this is what I'm working towards. I'm working towards so I don't ever have to to suffer in this way of feeling like I can't give to somebody who truly needs and I want to be able to give to you. Um, mm-hmm. Hold on to that and make that a motivator in trying to to manage your finances better so you can have the money, even if it is $5, to be able to give to someone. Yeah. That's all great advice. I love that. Yeah. I agree. Me too. Well, I'd love to talk about your book a little bit. When did you get the idea to write it and kind of who is it written for? Tell us all the things. Well, it is, uh, it's written for me back in 2013 <laughs> when I was standing in the grocery store getting my two cards declined. That's who I wrote it for. I wrote it Aww. for that mama back then who just felt like she was alone. I honestly felt stupid. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm a college educated woman, you know, I'm an accountant and like, why, why is this happening to me? Right. I should be able to figure this out. But, you know, even when you're um, in school for finance, they teach you how to manage other people's money, other corporations money. They don't teach Mm -hmm. you how to manage your personal finances because, and that's harder to do because behavior um, Mm -hmm. has such a big part in personal finance and we sort of forget that element. And so I wrote my book for that, that mom that just feels so lost, feels maybe scared, maybe feels stupid. It feels like she doesn't know what to do. And she just wants somebody to lay it out in a way that makes sense and is actionable. And that was my goal with my book was to take all our years of figuring this out the hard way and to put it down in a concise way and to make it more of a guide to help other, you know, not just women, but families in general, just to be able to help them navigate these tough waters of trying to figure out how to manage their money better, how to get themselves out of hot water, um, and, and how to build a life that suits their family's needs. I love that. And I love that you were able to stay at home too, because, you know, it's something I sometimes wish I'm about to have my third and sometimes I'm like, oh, I wish I could just stay at home with them. Other days I'm like, no, I have to work. But um, <laughs> but I love that you are an example of how you guys did that on like a single income family. So that's really, really cool. And how do people f- get your book? Can you buy it anywhere or... 
Yes, it is available everywhere that books are sold, um, including Target. So, in fact, Target actually has had the better price on it, believe it or not. Oh, cool. (laughs) Yay. I'm obsessed with Target. That's like not a good place to go if you're trying to save. Speaking of budgeting. Yes, yes. You need a whole chapter on like how to not (laughs) get taken advantage of at Target. It's like curb curbside pickup yeah. yeah well in my and for me it's like if I have to go into Target I do not get a cart I don't get a basket nothing because then anything I get I have to hold it yeah. and so then it sort of makes me think about it because I'm like okay I got a lot of stuff here like what can I get rid of do I really that's, need this I came in for milk why do I have like 14 other things oh my god uh, yeah, I try to do that cut. but I actually end up always getting a basket <laughs> you like turn around and go back I do every time that's hilarious. Oh my gosh. Hey, Jesse, for the listeners that might not go out and buy your book, I always like to ask this question. What would be your biggest kind of takeaway or message that you would love to get out there from your book? It is that personal finance is 100% personal. If you are struggling to make your money work for you, it's because of the fact that you're not taking into account your real life and what your actual priorities are. And so the biggest thing that you can do is to sit down and identify what is most important to me and to my family. Everybody has their own set of expenses that are important to you. I mean, obviously paying for your house and your utilities and your insurance, that's important to everybody. But there are other things that are going to be important specific to you. Um, For instance, maybe for you, it's really important that you pay for your kids' private school education. If that's an expense that's really important to you, write it down and then ask yourself, okay, these other expenses, they're not as important. So which ones can I get rid of? And just go through it with that thought press in mind of like these other smaller expenses that are not as important as, you know, these two or three that I've identified as the most important. These are holding me back for being able to successfully be able to pay for these expenses. So I need to get rid of these. And how do I get rid of these? Or how do I reduce or eliminate them? I love that. That's really good. Yeah. Hey, I have a question. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Well, I was just about to ask, did you say that you homeschool your three kids? I do. (laughs) Okay. So I have a question. When do you introduce just kind of the foundation of finance or do you have a certain age or is it, what's your tips there? I, for me, it has been just a lifelong thing. It's bringing them into the store. Um, I would definitely encourage parents, especially if you have, you know, younger kids, um, to at least to try to make at least one shopping trip a month where you're shopping with cash. So your kids can see the physical transaction of money. And then as your kids get older and they get, you know, whether you give them allowance money or they get birthday money or whatever, and they have money to spend, let them pay for it themselves. Like let them go up have the cashier scan it, hand the cashier money, you know, help them count it out if they need that, but allow them the opportunities to do that because it allows them to feel the money, see the money leave their hands and exchange for whatever that um, that product is that they got. And it just helps to make that connection with them. And it helps to just honestly have these conversations all the time. My husband and I, we have conversations about money around our children all the time. That's one of the best things that you can do. And then we allow our kids to ask us questions if they are overhearing us and they're like, they're like, mom, what, what's a Roth IRA? What is that? You know, and just, you know, you just simply explain it. You don't have to go into a big lecture, but it's just, to me, it's more of a lifestyle approach than just sitting down and teaching them, you know, how to count dollars and cents. Because I mean, that's part of most math curriculums anyways. It's more along the lines of teaching them that money isn't something to be scared of. It's something to embrace. And if you have questions, 
ask them, whether it's from your parents or it's from somebody else or it's from a book or it's from a podcast or it's from wherever. Ask questions, be curious, and learn. Yeah, that's so good. Ironically, just this week, I have a fourth grader and he came home with a two-page letter from their math teacher. And it was encouraging because I think a lot of us have been asking for years now, like, when are they going to start teaching this in school? So this is encouraging. But even if if your kid, for the listeners, if your kid's school isn't, this is kind of something, something that you could easily implement at home. And he's basically just giving each kid the same amount of a paycheck every week. And they have the to pay the teacher. So they, they're having this finance project in fourth grade. It's really okay, cool. Okay, but not real money. No, no, no. It's not okay. real. <laughs> and so, um, and then they, but they have to pay rent and they have to pay their bills. And then there's all these different stipulations and rules. Like if they forget their pencil or their math book, they have to buy, they have to buy one. And anyway, at the end, if they all, and they have to, he's teaching the concept of saving and investing. They can take out a loan from the teacher and kind of learning the concept of interest. And then at the end, if the classmates all save enough and can put their money together, if they have a certain amount, they get to have a movie party or something like that. But it was just so encouraging that that that's happening. Yeah. So yeah, that's awesome. I love that. Hopefully (laughs) that happens, starts, hopefully that becomes the norm, you know, and maybe it is, I don't know, but um, I just hadn't really heard that from well, other parents. I definitely so. know it wasn't the norm whenever I was younger. So I, oh, I, I sure. absolutely love that. Yeah. Same. I mean, yeah. I remember in college, in college, we had this class that we had to take. It was like one of those like general education classes that the school made you take. I forget what it was even called. But I remember the only piece of personal finance advice that the professor gave was to never buy your groceries on a credit card. And I was already buying my groceries on a credit card. So I was like, well, I guess I'm doomed for life, which I mean, of course, you know, then I end up in a whole bunch of credit card debt. So, you know, there you go. But, you know, I just remember being like, is this really it? Like, this is the only personal finance advice that we get. (laughs) Totally. And I remember it wasn't until I was in grad school accounting or finance that they taught the concept of a mortgage, a home mortgage. And I'm like, if people's goal is to own a home, I just think that's imperative information. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. For sure. Um, Can you say one more time the name of your book? Sorry. I just want to make sure. It is Getting Good With Money. Getting Good With Money. Love it. How exciting. I absolutely love this topic. So I will be reading it. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Listeners go out and get it. Yeah. Jesse, is there anything else that we haven't touched on that you want to share or talk about? No, I don't really, uh, I don't really think so. Um, other than the fact that I just want to say that, you know, for any listeners out there who are finding themselves sort of in that moment that I found myself in 2013, there is hope. You can absolutely change your future. You can do these really hard things, these hard sacrifices. You can climb this mountain. You can do it. Don't give up on yourself. Keep on going no matter how difficult it is, no matter how hard it is, you can learn how to manage your money well. That's awesome. Amen to that. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Amen. Um, Well, we just thank you so much for meeting you and coming on here and being willing to share your story and be transparent about your journey because I think that will definitely inspire others out there. So thank you for that. Well, thank you, ladies. Yeah, of course. Um, We do like to end each of our sessions with a prayer. So if you are okay with it, I will close us out in prayer. Absolutely. Okay. 
Heavenly Father, thank you so much for just another day of life with our loved ones. Thank you for Jesse. Thank you for um, connecting us and connecting her with our listeners. And thank you for the blessing that she is um, putting out there into the world. And I just pray that abundance for her and her husband and their three children. And I pray for our listeners that uh, they just feel your overwhelming peace and get to experience your so personal joy that can only come from you. And we just love you so much. And we just pray near and far for all the um, just uncertainty and, and stress and sadness in our world that that people um, just look to you and in return are able to go out and spread the love that you so graciously provide to each of us. We love you so much. And it's your name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. Lord. Yay. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank, thank you, you so much, Jesse. That was such a great combo. And I'm feeling super inspired right now. So yeah, <laughs> definitely. Well, thank you, ladies. I appreciate it. Yes. Thank you. We'll have a great rest of your week. And um, we will see you guys in a couple weeks. We love y'all. Bye. 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 <laughs> thank you for listening to another week of Girl I Slept in My Makeup. If you like us, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you want to learn more about us or get in touch with us, go to our website, girlisleptinmymakeup.com, where you'll also find links to our Instagram and Facebook. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And yeah, make it a great week. God bless.